Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you are put, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Robert. Well, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I, I think this is a great passage of scripture in Romans chapter 8 and we could all underline it together and just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our hearts and lives this morning and it's our privilege to put our ear right down to the text and to listen uh, to the quietness of the Spirit as he ministers in our hearts today. Well a man consulted a doctor he said I've been misbehaving doc and my conscience is really troubling me uh, well, the doctor said, ah, let me guess, I, I, I know you, uh, you probably want something from me that will strengthen your willpower. And he said, no, 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 he said, I was thinking of something that would weaken my conscience. <laughs> now that definitely is one approach. If you want to get out of the struggle that we find ourselves in, in terms of the old nature and the new nature, uh, before we met Jesus, the old nature had full sway in our hearts and lives. The enemy, so to speak, had the monopoly in our lives. But the Holy Spirit changed things around, and he gave us new perspective, gave us new hope. And because we invited the Holy Spirit to take up residence within us, we found a new power. We found a new strength to engage in day-by-day -day living and to help us with purpose and meaning and significance. Now, with every verse that Paul writes, it seems to me that the light gets bigger and bigger and, and shines stronger and giving us more and more hope as we go on in Romans chapter 8. It's like Paul is asking us, do you really want to see the advantage of having Jesus live in your life through the Holy Spirit? Th these are more than just perks. These are really the joys and the advantages of allowing the Holy Spirit to take control of your life. If you just shove him into a small corner of your life, you'll miss the fresh air. You'll, you'll miss the refreshment. You'll miss the confidence that comes through Holy Spirit living. And you will not be able to leverage the Holy Spirit advantages that he wants to give to all of us. But if you say to the Lord, you have all of me all the time in every way, Man, get yourself prepared for an awesome, awesome ride. 
Now, there are five things that you can anticipate when the Holy Spirit is dominant in your life. Ready to see them? We'll call them the advantages of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit puts you in the driver's seat. You don't have to go where you really don't want to go. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. What does that mean? The, the resignation to follow our old nature is not the final word in your life. You are not forever going to be stuck in a rut without the strength to break loose from wherever and whatever it is that binds you. You don't have to settle for that. No obligation to do whatever the enemy says or whatever the old nature says. Now, i got to test your memory this morning. How many remember this photo on the screen? Uh, Selena, of course, helped me with this. Now, there's a, little, there's a little quiz, a little game that she helped me put together. Go ahead, Brandon. Tiananmen Square, 1989, Beijing. How many, I don't know, how many of you remember that? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I remember watching this with bated breath. This man was greatly outnumbered. He was a very brave soul. He was protesting against the loss of rights by the Chinese regime. And now here's the point. If you use this metaphor and you understood the tank to be the old nature, you would suddenly realize how powerful the old nature is. The odds in favor of the tank of winning is overwhelming. But if you can imagine in your mind that suddenly this man has a couple of rocket launchers that he's holding... The rocket launchers would change everything about this situation and that there would be, they would be more on even terms. Now, this is what Paul is saying to us. Without the power of God released in our lives, we're like a soldier, we're like a man standing in front of a gigantic tank. It's absolutely overwhelming. But if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we can rise up in the face of temptations and struggles, and armed with rocket launchers of the Holy Spirit, we can say no and make it stick. We can turn and begin to live as God intended us to live. Here's the point. The Holy Spirit puts you in the driver's seat. You don't have to go where you don't want to go. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Lee Eklov, a retired Presbyterian pastor just a couple years ago, said it this, in this memorable way. Your sinful nature is like a loan shark inside of you. There's a part of you that is an attacker, a thug, threatening to break your kneecaps if you don't pay up, if you don't do what he wants you to do. Now, that's pretty extreme. 
But I think there's one way to look at it, and most of us just kind of know, we kind of know the voice, the voice of temptation. Uh, a temptation arises that has always owned you before, and the old voice inside says, just like we always do, I own you, I own you, but that's a lie. That's a lie. Listen to these few verses written in the message translation, Eugene Peterson. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial, get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Jesus says to us, I came to be your friend. I came to be your leader. Your sins were killing you. You were getting beat up, but I came and I have you for myself and I hold you and I, I shape you, I form you, and I help you to think like me. You have the rocket launcher of my spirit and he will empower you to make those better decisions. Now there are five things that you can anticipate when the Holy Spirit is dominant in, in your life. The first one is the Holy Spirit puts you in the driver's seat. The second advantage of choosing to follow the Spirit of God is that the Holy Spirit faithfully leads us. The Holy Spirit faithfully leads us. Now here's the thought in verse 14. For, <clears throat> for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You are led by the Spirit of God for the direction of your life. So what an advantage you have in your life to actually have someone greater than you to be able to guide you. And when he leads you, you will experience Galatians 5.22. And this is one of the ways that you will be affirmed in the fact that God is leading you into a life that's awesome and significant. Now, this was a wonderful twist for me this week. I, I just didn't quite see this coming until I began to study it, that the leading of the Holy Spirit leads to Galatians 5.22. What's Galatians 5.22? Well, it's what we refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. And when you take your fruit tree at the back of your house and you, you, you care for it, you can expect some fruit. And when you allow the Spirit to lead you, he will produce fruit, which is called love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. <clears throat> and the best way to know, this is what was clicking in my brain, if God is leading us, then the evidence of his leading in us is what's happening inside of us and curiously asking, is there any fruit in my life? Is there any fruit in my life? What is God producing in my life? Fruit's visible. It assures the believer that we're indeed children of our Father. <clears throat> and the Spirit of God awakens us in a much greater way to the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our lives. If we feel these more than ever, we know that we've all been awakened by the Spirit of God. We get these wonderful distinction of being called children of God when the Holy Spirit leads us. Now we can keep an ear open 
uh, to listen to the still small voice along the way. And, uh, and I also believe that uh, we don't always know how God is leading us. I'm sure that you say that as well. Uh, I don't know, God, where you're taking me. I don't know the next steps along the journey. But God is in the business of strategically positioning us to be in the right place at the right time. Sometimes we're saying, God, I'm just not sure. I just, I just don't know. And, and he will lead us, and we will follow. <clears throat> when Mark and I felt the call of God to come to Edmonton many years ago, we had an inquiry to an Edmonton church, uh, but it was 18 months later before we felt it was time to go and to come to here to Edmonton. The first time we just had an inquiry, we said no. It just didn't seem like God was opening the door. But 18 months later, we were both ready, and we sensed in our hearts that we were to come to Edmonton. <clears throat> God orders our footsteps. <clears throat> you know, and it's not just when we walk the line on graduation day or on our wedding day. It's step by step all along the way that he leads us. Can we misstep? Yeah, we can misstep. But God has a marvelous ability when your heart is right to bring it around again and again to make sure that, that his leading is actually worked out in your life. He can choreograph divine appointments. So what a treat to be led by the Holy Spirit. Mark it as one of our wonderful Holy Spirit advantages that you have this resource. And when you talk to him day by day and you say, Lord, guide me, guide me, he will guide you by his Spirit. The third blessing or advantage of choosing to follow the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit creates a sense of intimacy with God the Father. Isn't it amazing that you can feel close to God? The one who made this gigantic world that we have no idea of even how big this cosmos is. And we need a James Webb telescope to reach as far into outer space as we possibly can and still not be anywhere close to seeing it all. Not be anywhere close. Yes, this God. We can know him and experience this God. Listen to what Paul says. So we have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Ann Voskamp has a term for this. She calls it from bondage to bonding. I like that. From bondage to bonding. We don't have a master uh, who is a slave owner and treats us like third-class citizens, and we're fearful of what in the world's coming next. We're not afraid in this new relationship with God. When you have God's Spirit, you have peace. The peace of God settles on your heart. Uh, you might know that in many translations, the word son or sonship is used here instead of children. It would read in the ESV, if you, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
And if you're wondering about that, the translators wanted to be inclusive of all humanity, but yet not lose the significance of sonship. They didn't want to lose this cultural understanding of, of the firstborn in society. And uh, it was the firstborn who would receive all the rights and all the possessions uh, of the Father. Uh, and Paul wants us to be sure to know that in our relationship with him, we all inherit all that God wants to give to us. We are all firstborns to the Father. And uh, it's always been applicable to men and women and children, but the understanding comes through the cultural meaning of sonship. We don't walk in fear. It's like the writer of that song says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. We all battle with fear. Fear of failing. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of not being smart enough. Fear of not being courageous enough. No one, no matter age or gender or sex or, uh, or color, social status, money in the bank, we all, it, we all battle with, with fear. Maria Stenken, uh Stenvinkel, a corporate consultant from Sweden, asked 65 people around the world, she said, what's your greatest fear in life? And as you might expect, many people said, well, I'm, a fear, I'm afraid to die. Uh, I'm afraid of losing my job. But uh, at least one in every five expressed a different fear. And that is living a life without purpose or meaning. Listen to their words. My greatest fear is never taking a risk in an effort to find my true calling, Anthony. My greatest fear is to go through life living small, but not realizing it until it's too late. My greatest fear would be missing out on my purpose here on earth. I know I have a purpose that I'm not yet serving, Danielle. Or to go through life without leaving a positive mark. Lucinia. Isn't it wonderful to not have to walk in fear? Fear may have been a part of our lives before we met Jesus, but because we're his children, we can trust him. We can know it is well with my soul. So whether it's death or whether it's something happening to one of our children or whatever the situation we can trust him. I was, reading, uh, I was reading about a pastor who went to Israel, and he saw all the sites and all the biblical sites. Uh, some of you have been to the Holy Land. But he said he had a touching moment when he was inside a park in, in inner Jerusalem, and they were having a, some lunch, some sandwiches. Uh, and he said, what really struck me that day was a, a little four-year-old boy was playing off in the distance, and he was chasing squirrels or something. And then his father walked into the park area, and this little four-year-old ran across the park, and he was saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. And he jumped up into his daddy's arms, and he hugged him. And the pastor said, it made me think that that's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with me. Not cold, not distant, but personal and inviting. And I can run into his arms any moment. That's the kind of father he wants to be. When you enter your quiet time, 
Remember to come this way, Abba Father. Abba Father. This is who our Father wants us to be and who, who wants to be to us. He's, he wants to be our Abba. He, he's personal. He's relational. He's our Father. He's our protector. He's our encourager. You can come to him anytime and know that that's who he is. The fourth advantage of the indwelling Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit assures us of his presence in us. And sometimes that's just all I need. That I know that I'm okay with him. I know that he's there. That I'm his child. And that's what Paul says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, one of the authors I read a fair amount is Max Lucado. I like him because he can always take a situation in life that's normal and human and he can extract a story from it that makes sense spiritually. Well, he tells a story on himself of being dropped by his insurance company because he had won too many speeding tickets. And he had a minor bender, fender bender that he said wasn't his fault. Not surprisingly, he, he grabbed a spiritual application from this, and he imagines getting a letter from heaven like getting a letter from an insurance company with respect to your coverage, this time of sins. Dear Mrs. Smith, I'm writing in response to this morning's request for forgiveness. I'm sorry to inform you that you have reached your quota of sins. Our record shows that since employing our services, you have erred seven times in the area of greed. And your prayer life is substandard when compared to others of like age and circumstance. Further review reveals that your understanding of doctrine is in the lower 20 percentile and you have excessive tendencies to gossip. Because of your sins, you are a high-risk candidate for heaven. You understand that grace has its limits. Jesus sends his regrets and kindest regards and hopes that you will find some other form of coverage. Oh, by Amusing. But 100% not true. 100% not true. I'm so glad that that's not true. That the work of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of just the opposite. That we're his children. That he reminds us that though we sin, we are forgiven and restored. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We have a spirit within us. And then there is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. And when God's Spirit connects with our spirit, the result is that we think God's thoughts. And his thoughts are communicated to us. And God gives us thoughts through the joining of his spirit with, with ours. And what are those thoughts? Well, many thoughts, of, of course. But certainly a strong percentage of those thoughts relate to assurance. And when you sit and you ponder and you open your Bible in a morning or whatever it might be, and you just ask God, God, what are you saying to me today? 70% of the time, 
he will say, I'm with you and I love you. I'm there for you. He tells me that he's my father. And we all need assurance. Some days more than others, right? And when we come to him, we hear his whisper, I'm your father, and I have you in the palm of my hand. Don't be afraid. The advantage of the Spirit, his amazing assurance, lifting us up, giving us confidence, helping us to trust, and allowing us to move forward, because that's what he wants for our lives. He wants us to keep moving forward. One more advantage of the Holy Spirit living in us. The Holy Spirit makes us beneficiaries of his blessings. Beneficiaries of his blessings. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. I'm not sure we can grasp what this really means to be heirs of God's glory as his children. How do you begin to think in terms of your inheritance that God has for you in his love and his grace? I mean, it's, it's, it's generous beyond comprehension. Imagine, imagine a five-year-old boy playing with a toy, toy truck, toy car, and then it breaks. It breaks. And he's brokenhearted. He's five. He cries out to his parents to fix it. And yet as he's crying, his father says to him that a distant relative you've never met has just died and left you $100 million. <laughs> what will the child's reaction be? Any guess as to how he will respond? Here's a little ditty. Will he request the hundred million and not worry about the toy? Will he advise that a hundred million doesn't quite meet his needs? Or will he just cry louder until his truck is fixed? Or will he ask, how much is a million dollars? Well, he will just cry louder until his truck is fixed. He doesn't have the cognitive capacity to realize his true condition and be consoled. I have no idea of what it means when the word says that we together will be uh, with Christ will be heirs of God's glory. Can you get your mind around that? I can tell you one of the things that's found in Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is a song of praise by millions of angels around the throne in heaven. And here's what they sang to Jesus, the one who was worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Look at all those amazing blessings. And Paul says we're heirs. We're heirs of, of this glory. Uh, I can't even, again, begin to imagine of what that really means. We're heirs of it, some of it now, and then one day we'll be heirs of it all. 
And it just tells you how dearly we're loved. And what a future. What an eternity. What an opportunity because we know Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within. So here are the advantages of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. He puts you in the driver's seat. The Holy Spirit faithfully leads us. The Holy Spirit creates a sense of intimacy with God the Father. The Holy Spirit assures us of his presence with us. And the Holy Spirit makes us beneficiaries of his blessings. Amen. Let's stand together as we pray. And Lord, we just want to say to you this morning, uh, you have given us so much. We just feel honored and blessed and provided for. And uh, today we're really mindful that you've given us the Holy Spirit to live in us. And what a huge advantage that is that you put us in the driver's seat when we're dealing with the old nature and that you lead us day by day like sheep to green pastures. And you remind us that we're loved by our Abba Father, our Papa, Daddy, that God who is not only transcendental but imminent and personal. Lord, we're, we're honored to be joint heirs with you for all eternity. We really can't comprehend it, but we know there's a great day coming, and we want to be prepared and helping others be ready for that great day as well. So we love you, Lord, and we bless you, and we are so appreciative of your spirit this morning dwelling in us. We say welcome to your Holy Spirit. You have all of us, and we want you, Lord, to just fill us and walk with us and give us your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen.